You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Mike Chappell is here. Joe Hopkins on the board. I am Dave Griffiths. The Colts host the Jacksonville Jaguars this week, a 1 p.m. kickoff in central Indiana broadcast on CBS4. And before we get to a good Colts-Jaguars preview, Mike, our first meeting this season, you have to start, as we have more often than not this you ready, year. You ready, Joe? Joe's ready. ready? I'm ready. To, on the Adam Vinatieri takes. And I, I, I hesitate to know where exactly to begin because, like I said, we've talked about this often, but it deserves and needs to be talked about again that Adam Vinatieri has missed – uh, 11 kicks this year. That's the most in the league. But who's counting? Well, apparently we are. <laughs> he has given up. That's 21 points that have been left on the board. That is tied for the most in the league on kickers. Uh, his misses have directly impacted at least two losses. You can argue three. The Chargers game, the Steelers game, and then the Dolphins last week at least did not give them a chance to come down and kick a field goal on that final drive. Needed to make it into the end zone instead. And Chris Ballard, for the second time this year has brought in a slew of kickers to see if there is anybody out there to replace Vinatieri. Yet, at the same time, you get the company line from Frank Reich and anybody else in the locker room saying, Adam's our guy, we have total confidence in him, but you're bringing in kickers to see if anybody can give you a little bit more confidence at the same time. I think the message it tells me is obviously they're looking around and they don't like what's behind Door number two. Door number two. Or three. Or, or four. three or yeah, four or yeah. five or six. And I think there's a lot to that. I think they – part of me thinks you – know, obviously they, 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 they want to let Adam to have time to get this fixed. We're nine games in, and it's still an issue. And, again, we're not talking about missing 50-yard field goals. We're talking the, – the, the, the Pats kick, kick two extra points and, and see where you're at. Uh, so, But I, I truly believe a lot of this is they don't like what's out there. And their biggest, one of their biggest fears would be to make a change. However you do it, put Adam on IR, he retires, you're waving, and you bring in Mike Nugent, and he misses a 43-yard field goal against Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. That costs you. But th- this is, you know, I- I'll-, I'll give them credit for being stubborn. But this is the bed they've they've made, and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna lie in it and see where it takes them because. I don't. We've talked in the past about this, but I don't know what is the tipping point now. You know, one more bad kick. I don't know, and it's it's sort of uncomfortable to a degree to talk about a player. This is his job and all this, but th- th- this is big boy football, and and if any other player maybe saved the quarterback was pl- was was not playing it was playing at this level. Mm-hmm. There would be a change, uh, and they've decided for the second time not to do that. Here's the thing with Vinatieri that um, I haven't heard from from anybody else. So I was tr- I was trying, I was digging, I was looking to find anything that I could add to this discussion, and I came upon his 2003 season, which was the Patriots' eventual Super Bowl victory over the Carolina Pan- Panthers, where Vinatieri kicked a game-winning field goal there to give him the 32-29 victory. I believe that was their second Super Bowl win. His 2003 season was his worst season, at least up until this one. And you can argue, honestly, that that one was worse than this season. Because here we go. That year, Adam Vinatieri went 25 of 34, kicking field goals. He missed nine field goals. 
This year, he's missed five so far. Of those nine, it wasn't like they were all 50-yard attempts. He attempted one 50-yard field goal that entire year, plus. He missed that one. But nevertheless, it was his mid-range game, very much like extra points are now, where he struggled mightily. He was four of eight in the 30 to 39-yard range. So he missed four field goals in that range. This year, he's missed six extra points already, so he's missed more in that range. So that's why I'm saying you can argue which one was the better or worse season. Well, he misses those kicks as a rookie. In in 96, he missed 12 kicks. He missed 12 total? 12 total kicks as a rookie. Well, look that up, Joe, because I was looking it up, and I didn't, I didn't see go that Go back many. to 96. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go. thought he missed nine field goals and three extra points. Um, 96, it looks like he missed eight field goals and three extra points. Okay. okay. So there we go. It's 11. So here, here, here we are yeah, exactly. haggling over which is worse. Right. And it's, it's funny. We look funny, and that's a bad word when you're talking about somebody's career. But we were, we were looking about the most missed kicks in a season. Mm-hmm. And normally you don't get a chance to miss 12, 13, 15 because right. they get rid of you. The Greg Regstraw, who, who's, who's Mr. Encyclopedia locally, uh, the guy who missed the most field goals in a season, what he found, and it's a guy you probably won't think about. He was like 12 of 38. Good Lord. Back in the 60s. Uh, um, oh, uh, oh, who was uh, – uh, he was a kicker and like he, he was more than just a kicker. Yes. Just, I, I, it's on the tip of my tongue. Hall of Famer. Yeah, exactly. Was it uh, – uh, Can you Paul tell Horning. me so I can – Okay, Paul Horning. About to say, uh, and also I looked back and went back. I thought it was someone else, so it wasn't the right. And I looked right name anyway. like Lou Grozer or somebody. I was probably thinking, yeah. But also, we, I was looking with the only pure kicker prior to Morton Anderson in the Hall of Fame was Jan Stenerud. Right. Go back and look at his stats. You know, seventy percent was a good year. It was. And one year he was like twenty-one of thirty-eight. Mm-hmm. Now things were things have changed dramatically. Very much so. But there was it, at one point the two thousand passing yards was a good year correct. too. Yeah. So. And now, and I haven't taken time to look at the numbers, but. There are a ton of kickers this year at 80% or less. It's mm-hmm. incredible yeah. that this is – now whether – obviously kickers are getting older. Adams, 46. Matt Bryant, who's, who was Who's a free agent brought now. In, and now he's a free agent. Guys are getting older. There's like two or three guys who are kicking really, really well. And then the rest, not so much. And the perfect example of kicking this year was the game with Seattle – and the McLaughlin kid kicks a 47-yarder to force overtime. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, hey, this kid's pretty good. He hit like three field goals. There were long right. field goals in this game. And then he gets an overtime with a 47-yarder. And all you needed to see was a video somebody put out where the ball ended up in the tunnel. Yeah. So it, it's that kind of a year. And that's not to excuse what's going on here. The, the problem that we've talked about, this team, the way it's constructed, it's going to be in tight games. It's what, nine in a row? Seven points or fewer, tied for the second longest streak in league history. Mm-hmm. They've outscored the opposition by one point one, and they've left the kicking game has left twenty one points on the field. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's. I understand what they say. It's it's. What was it uh, Frank mentioned about Marv Levy, where you treat everybody fairly, but not everyone, not everybody the, same. the same. That's the quote. I understand that. Uh, but but at some point, and I'm not, you know, I, you, that the, it's obviously if you make a move now, you're making a change to make a change because you don't like your options. But my only question is, what what will it take? I hope he gets it straightened out. I like Adam Vinatieri. He's always been good to work with. 
but that's not the point. There's, you know, I like my my mailman, and I don't want him kicking <laughs> field goals for me. Right. So it, it's a bottom line business. He understands it. Uh, for the betterment of everybody, including us, that we're not talking about it. I hope he gets his 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 yips fixed. I'll, I'll add one or two more things, and if Joe has anything to add, then uh, we'll move on. But um, that year, that 2003 season that I was talking about, again, again, the Patriots made the Super Bowl that year. They kept him, and it turned out that he made the game-winning kick for them in the Super Bowl. So and that's what it, Frank said. It, that's got to be in the back of Frank Reich's mind. That's in the back of Chris Ballard's mind. Even in that Super Bowl, he missed two kicks. One of them he missed. One of them was blocked. When he hit the Broncos kick to win the game, and that was a long just what, three 50 weeks ago. Yards. Yeah, fifty-one yard, and he made a fifty-five yarder in that game. So you look at that, and then you look at the guys you bring in. I mean, do you, do you really want to bring in uh, Elliot Fry Nick or Rose? Nick Rose or Greg Joseph? I mean, sure, those guys those guys might be the same as Vinatieri, but who do you want walking out to try a fifty-one yard game-winning field goal? And I think that's their point. Yeah, uh, if it comes down to a kick you've got to have. Do you want this guy doing it, who's done it forever, or some guy who's not Adam Vinatieri? I, and it's, I, I, I go back to when I was in college and, and you were in debate class and they always assigned you a topic and you had to argue it, mm-hmm. even if you didn't believe it. I would have a difficult time arguing to keep Vinatieri as my kicker just because all the evidence mm-hmm. – but at the end of the day, who, who do you want making that kick? I would rather have him making the tr- attempting the kick than somebody you pull off the street. People need to remember, and we keep harping on this, it's, it's, it's mid-November. If you need a kicker, a tackle, a receiver, a corner, it's mid-November. Guys that are out there for a reason, they've been cut, they haven't been signed, you're rolling the dice. Joe, do you have anything you wanted to add All about Vinatieri, your boy? Adam was kind of, I'm sorry, not Adam. Uh, Mike here was talking about how he hopes Adam Vinatieri gets it together. It was, um, I was having a discussion with someone else the other day about how it almost feels like the Andrew Luck of he was a great Colt for so long and gave so much to the team, and you really just don't want to see it go out like this. You don't want Adam Vinatieri to be like, yeah, but do you remember that last year? So hopefully he can get it together here. I really don't think there's a better option out there because, like Mike said, the Colts aren't the only team with kicking problems. If there was a better kicker out there, he probably would have been signed by now. And and like Mike has said, I, and I fully endorse him with this, you, you like Adam Vinatieri. I like him as a member of the media because he treats us with respect. He answers questions even though they're difficult, even though they're sometimes repetitive. Um, he can get a, a little... Um, I don't know. Defensive? If I don't, yeah, defensive is maybe a good word. I don't think combative is the right word with him. Um, but he can get defensive sometimes, and, and that's like you want that. I think in your kicker, you want him to be a little uh, a little stubborn that way, and to be able to go out and make a kick when you haven't made the kicks as you have. So that's I think that's a good attitude to have. And I want to transition that into its discussion about Jacoby Brissett because Jacoby he has more than towed the line um, between being stubborn or combative with the media lately and initially i thought it was playful but it's not it it's reached that point and maybe this is something that fans don't care about let me throw that out there initially first first, you're right they don't care yeah yeah they like if you if your quarterback has this attitude that he just answers media questions with one or two words maybe you don't give a hoot so so i don't want to talk about this for too long but at the same time the um the transcriptions that the colts send out are not complete with Jacoby Brissett because 
you ask a question, our Chris Hagen asks a question to him talking about playing in pain versus playing with an injury. What's the difference between that? Hey, you're playing in a little bit of pain or playing with an injury that impacts your performance, which is a very legitimate question. Um, and Jacoby says, hey, no offense to y'all, but are we going to talk about the Jaguars? That's not going to show up in the transcription, but I've got it right back there in the video in our room, in our editor. It's right there. And I understand why the Colts don't send that out. But at the same time, Jacoby is, he has this attitude. And if you want him to have that, ad- maybe you want him to have that attitude. Again, if you're a fan, a, a defiant attitude toward people who are asking these questions. And that's great. But that's something that's out there that really hasn't been discussed too much. But, uh, Mike, I'll give credit to you because you you followed that up with a question about the Jaguars' defensive front to Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> you try to transition, but then you, then you come back with other questions, mm-hmm. and it doesn't go anywhere. You, you asked him uh, on the road in Pittsburgh, wasn't it? I asked him on the road in Pittsburgh with the what, very what, first what question. Happen, yeah, just what on happened the... on that play? Because I can look at it and see it with my own eyes what happened. Right. And he came back at me asking, what kind of question is that? I think it's a pretty legitimate question. I didn't go through it. I didn't live it myself. That's right. kind of my job as the media to get the player's perspective and see exactly what happened um, from their point of view. If he just says, I have no idea, that's fine. You can go out there and say, well, I was looking downfield. I threw the ball. All of a sudden, I felt something on my right. leg. I fell down. That's fine. You can be as vague as you want, but I would prefer if you answered I rem- it and were combative in, with me about remember it. back in the day, was an older Colts quarterback was here, and he threw a couple of interceptions. And in post-game, and they, and they lost. And the question was, what happened on that interception? And he said, what kind of question is that? Well, did you mm-hmm. not see the guy? I mean, right. th- again, did you th- see him and he made a play? Right, or were you trying to, or, or didn't you, whatever. And I think sometimes we write stories or, or give reports on with not, without the information. You know, if you say, well, the quarterback didn't see the guy. It's kind of like uh, the, the great quote from uh, Philip Rivers. Yeah, week one this year. It came to my mind, too. It, it, it's, you know, did, did you see him? Yeah, I saw him. I didn't think he could get there. Mm-hmm. It's a great quote. Yeah. So, so it's, it's again, I don't, I don't think fans generally care. That, oh, poor media. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But, you know, maybe we've been spoiled because we used to ask, we, we could ask Luck a stupid question. We all ask dumb questions. Mm-hmm. But he, he, he found a way to answer it. Mm-hmm. And Peyton did it and all the and but it's 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 sort of an issue with Jacoby and I don't think it's gonna change. I don't I, I hate to say I don't it, think it, so it's either. a New England thing. That's too easy. So I, I just wish he would lo- loosen up a little bit, but I don't think that's going to happen. It, it is very Belichickian of him, the way that he sometimes deals with it. And Bill has earned that right, I think, over the years and has a winning record and is in the AFC Championship year after year after year, if not the Super Bowl year after year after year. So, but, so, so I understand how he, how he gets away with it more so. Jacoby Brissett's in his first year. And it just, like, this, this week it really stood out to me because of how Adam Vinatieri has answered questions and how Jacoby has answered questions. And I'm sure everyone in the locker room will be right behind Jacoby. They don't care about my opinions about this. Right. That's fine. And they're, and they're not supposed to, but um, it was something that came to my mind. We, and we don't, we don't ask that much no, from a media standpoint. So. But anyway, Jacoby Brissett, the more important question when it comes to the, uh, against the Jaguars this week is how will uh, his injury impact the game? And though he might not answer that question, he might get snarky. We, we can try to answer that question. How will his injury impact uh, the Colts' uh, offense? against the Jaguars. First of all, let's just say right off the bat, 
I expect him to play, Mike, because Frank Reich said on Wednesday. If he's full on Wednesday, he plays. Exactly. And he was barring full, a setback. And he was full on Wednesday. So barring a setback sometime this week with that knee, Jacoby Brissett will take the first snap and all the snaps under center when the Jaguars come to town 1 p.m. Sunday, again broadcast on CBS4 in central Indiana. But I can't imagine that he's going to be fully 100% out there. He will be slightly limited in terms of his mobility and his strength with that knee. At least that's what I would imagine, Mike. And I think that's what kept him out of the lineup against Miami. And he said he would play. He, oh, he, he, he wanted, wanted to play. To play. But, but Frank had to see. He not had. To, he, he saw something on going over the video that whether it was movement in the pocket, whether it was that lateral mobility. Because Jacoby's not a scrambler, but he's got that movement in, a, in the pocket. To, to avoid the sack, shrug people off, and needs the strength. So, And this is a game, I'm telling you, It's I go back to 2017, a totally different offensive line, totally different people. They got One of the craziest stat lines I've ever seen in that 27 nothing game in Indy, 10 sacks and 20 quarterback hits, which Kobe throwing 37 passes. It was brutal. And they had four sacks in the next game. So you've got, you know, protect the quarterback, which they've not been doing well. Not was, lately. Is it 10 sacks in three games? 10 sacks in three seven games. in the first six. And uh, you've got – and there have been two or three clean shots on him uh, where they've not recognized the blitz. There was the A-gap blitz last week just right up the 55 pike. up the middle. Yeah, just knocked Hoyer right in the face, and he didn't even see it, or at least he didn't look like he saw it right, right. away because he's looking out to the side right. to make that pass. So that's – I just posted something on, uh, on the website today is, is what's been going wrong is th- this team – Frank t- talks about playing clean on offense. You're going to have bad plays, but don't turn the ball over. The negative runs and sacks and everything is up over the last three games. It's incredible. They've had, I think it was six turnovers in the first six games that turned into 13 points. Mm-hmm. The last three games, it's seven turnovers for 30 points. Mm-hmm. The last three games, the opponents have scored 55 points, and the Colts have helped on 30 of them. Negative runs are up, and instead of being – you know, second and six at second and 14 or whatever. And, and it just makes it hard, especially when you've got Brian Hoyer out there instead of Brissett. There's no doubt in my mind, revisionist history, if Jacoby doesn't get hurt, this team wins the last two games. I, I, he, he, he would make the plays you need to make. Yeah, He checks the ball down against Miami when it's, what was it, first and 10 at the 16? And he's not chucking the ball into the end zone. So... It's, but that's just that, that's football one on one. You need your starting quarterback, and and we'll get into it. But th- these next three games, for all the bitching and moaning that we're doing about how they're playing, not playing well, these next three games, it, it's right there. It, it's home with Jacksonville at Houston, short week, and then home with Tennessee. And Houston's got what Baltimore. Houston's got Baltimore, Big and, they got, and they got New England coming up. Yeah, they got New England. I think the week after. That's what I think. So, so it's right there. It's just it's right not the week after because it would be the Colts for the week after, but the week after the Colts maybe it is. Yeah, yeah. But but it's it, it's right there for you. And all all you want, you're not sitting there thinking, well, you know, if we do this, we need Houston and Jacksonville and to, to do that. No, it's right there for you. And we've talked about how the Colts have played in Houston you know, the, the last two games last year. In December, January, they went down there and they smoked them. So you're you're not going to get T. We'll talk about these injuries. Yeah. You probably won't get T. Y. back, but getting Brissett back 
will make a world of difference. And, and I'll, I'll touch on the backup quarterback before we move on to T.Y., but uh, Frank Reich was asked, is there any quarterback competition for the backup spot? And he said no. So as much as everyone out there loves themselves, some swag Kelly, Please. there was a 0% chance he was ever coming Zero, in for Brian Hoyer. There was a Blutarski chance, 0.0. <laughs> Wasn't going to happen. And there's a 0.0% chance that he will be on the roster this weekend if Jacoby Brissett is back, which we fully expect him to be. They'll probably well, the drop only, him you mean, back to the practice at, squad. That's a good question, because if, if, yeah. if, if you put him on the practice squad, you have to wave him. Right. So he, Well, you had to wave him before, and you made it through. Right. But you know, you're, you're this deep into the season, and you, is there a concern you'd lose him? Probably not. I mean, it's, it, Maybe I, a 0.5% chance. I, I can't imagine four teams are saying, you know, if they wave this guy, yeah. we get him. Yeah. But but that but that's our that's our point. That that's never been a possible the only no. chance he was gonna play last week is if on that free hit at fifty five on a horror he gets hurt. Right. So it, it's no, it, it's not going to He will happen. play out of only injury necessity. That's it. Not, nothing more. He's never going to jump Brian Hoyer as much as, uh, as much as some might want that to happen, which is not going to happen. So uh, I, I don't know why I'm looking I, at you just, here, Joe. Because I really <laughs> wanted to see Sweat. I just closed my eyes and imagined him running it in from the you know, 16. And, you, yeah. you know, you say that. If there was an opportunity in that game for somebody like him to play, you're right. His improv probably could have made a difference. And they would have been dealing with those questions all oh, week. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. The, 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 but but I, I would have almost, the way things worked out, you, you think maybe that his improv, he, he would have found a way to scramble or whatever. But mm. we can't, we can't, we're already opening it. <laughs> There's always, already enough to worry about. Let's don't open up that Pandora's all box. Right, right. Let's open the T.Y. Hilton Pandora's box because, Mike, it's a stat that we've said several weeks in a row now because T.Y. Hilton's been out several weeks in a row. The Colts now, since T.Y. Hilton was drafted in 2012, T.Y. has missed seven games due to injury. The Colts are 0-7 in those games. And we've talked about this, again, the most valuable Colt, especially the most valuable Colt on offense outside of quarterback, not in the quarterback room. You maintain Anthony Costanza. You've said that they're a start, lot. They're starting to win me over. Yeah, I, I've tried to argue the T.Y. Hilton point, and he keeps adding to, uh, to the strength of my argument right now that without him and especially with other receivers like with Funches who's been hurt with Paris Campbell hurt well, you just started to see what they saw in Paris Campbell and Deion Kane cut now no longer on the 53-man roster that happened last week something we haven't discussed yet we can get into that a bit but it, it all starts with T.Y. and being available being a playmaker making something out of seemingly nothing turning a five-yard gain into an 80-yard touchdown when he's not on the field, they do not have that. Now, we've, we've not seen the five-yard into 80 yet. We've not we seen not that this year. year. No. no, but what we've seen is on third and seven, he finds a way to get what you need. And it's you've got to have that guy who you know when it comes to you know time to make the play, it's T.Y. or it's Jack Doyle. And Jack Doyle is a really a valuable player, but T.Y. gives you that presence and they've missed it in 0-7. I think they've lost those games by like 12 points, mm-hmm. an average of 12 points. He just gives you something. We saw him in the locker room today. I think it was his 30th birthday today. Happy hey. birthday, T.Y. Hilton. Big 3-0. So, and I I don't think he's going to – I don't think he practiced today. He, he, he's not going to play. It doesn't seem Sunday. like it. Now, I wouldn't mind seeing him out there tomorrow, limited. See to, how he reacts To sort Saturday. of get ready. for not, yeah. But not, not for Next this week. game. For the Houston game, uh huh. Next Thursday, because they're not going to practice. Next week's going to be a couple of walkthroughs on right. Monday and Tuesday. Thursday night game next week. If, right. if you so, are so all it, unaware, it'd be nice to see T.Y. get out there just for a little bit. 
But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm still – I don't want to see two months without Anthony Costanzo because I know what's behind him. Right. So I'm not quite ready to go on the TY bandwagon yet, but I'm sort of gotten – I'm nudging up to the to – the, Wagon, just so in case I need to jump on, and and that's yeah, that's the danger of not having Costanzo. I'll, I'll I'll get back to your point there that like if he's out, that means your quarterback is that much more likely to become out. But maybe Joe would like that because again, get get the chance to see Swag Kelly back there in the backfield. <laughs> so ne- ne- nevertheless, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Anthony Costanzo, two very valuable ports to the Colts offense. They do not have one of them. Um, Devin Funchess is on his way back to game action. Uh, at least we saw him for the first time on Wednesday since breaking his collarbone week one, his first practice. It was a very limited practice. He's out there with the red shirt on red Jersey. So no one can touch him. Um, Frank Reich said there's plenty of boxes. He has to check before being declared ready for a game. Contact is certainly one of them making it through full practices. will certainly be another, if not back to back full practices. I don't know exactly what the Colts have planned. But, Mike, you got the chance to talk to Devin Funchess in the locker room today. How did he sound? I would not bet that a return this weekend is all that likely. No, we saw him. It was a, I, I, my, my tweet. It said, limited in practice, but sounds like likely not to, to, to play. He said, bone's got to heal. Bone's got to heal. Bone's got to heal. He, he mentioned that about three times. So that doesn't sound like somebody to me that's close to getting, not shouldn't say close, mm-hmm. but, but is ready to get back out there. So I, I don't think he plays Sunday. I question whether he plays Thursday, and it just it just it just shows you how while this was a deep wide receiver room, it's just been decimated yep. to where all of a sudden your 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 number one and your best receiver is Zach Pascal, and it's not even close. No, it's really not right now. Um, it, it's it started in camp when Darius Fountain, who was having a really good camp, gets hurt, goes down. My guy Steve Ishmael went down during camp. Um, and, and it has continued into the regular season. Paris Campbell has had multiple ailments. Um, I, you can't call him injury-prone in one year, but it's certainly had an injury-plagued season. Correct. That is what That would certainly be surgeries. accurate. He's had yeah. two surgeries. Yeah, that's ugh, in one year. Take, take, two, two, maybe they're procedures or surgeries? Uh, either one. I don't know what goes down in the insurance claim. Is that a procedure? Is that a surgery? Do you get like different copay or deductible amounts? I always from... think if they break the skin, it's a surgery. Yeah, that's what I think, too. Um, more pass catcher trouble that Jack Doyle missed practice on Wednesday with a shoulder he's injury. Back, back today. Back on Thursday, so that's a good sign that he would be ready to go by the weekend, you hope. Uh, Darius Leonard also popped up on the injury report, limited on Wednesday. He was playing cornhole today. He looked fine. Yeah, he. I I, I do not think that Darius Leonard will, will miss this weekend, unless, of course, there are setbacks in the future. Just being on the injury report Correct. one day does not indicate someone's going to miss some time. So the Jaguars get into this game against before, the Colts. Before, before, before we move on, go ahead. Injuries, Pierre Desir. Pierre Desir still. still, uh, still he he was limited, or limited. Limited last Wednesday, mm-hmm. two Wednesdays ago. Didn't practice Thursday, Friday. Didn't practice Wednesday or today. So it tells me that he, that he probably had a setback with that hamstring last he, Wednesday, right? Right. Because if you're if you're making some kind of progress, you're at least limited. So limited, limited, limited. Right. right. You so, stay on so the field. So that, that's a concern, and and this is going to be a better quarterback you're facing this week. So you're you're going to need help. Maybe Quincy Wilson gets to play finally. <laughs> I don't know. And we talked about the receivers before we totally get off of it. Deion Kane. Yeah, yeah. Good point. We should uh, talk about Deion. Who we we've been waiting. We say we in the the team as well sense yeah waiting and waiting and waiting and he played a lot got opportunities and they finally decided no it's not working so they, i think it was a case of they wanted to now whether 
he wasn't practicing at the at the right level or whatever to to cut a player that you've been so high on and they just and then they brought him back to the practice squad so I really think this was sort of a the last chance to wake up call to get your act together because mm-hmm. they still think this kid's got a lot of potential he's got the size you want but if you if you don't live up to what they expect, they'll move on very quickly. And here's another point. I was uh, just perusing on Twitter this week. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, who works for the NFL Network, he's been a, he's been scouting since 2003. He tweeted out, like I've been scouting for this many years, and next year's draft, the 2020 draft, is the best wide receiver class that I've ever seen. So in the last 16, 17 drafts, this next wide receiver class is, if not the best. It is certainly one of the best classes we have seen lately, Joe. Well, Alabama's got three first rounders yeah, right there. on their team alone. Exactly. And then you got, you know, Clemson is wide receiver. I saw two or three receivers in that game last yeah. week. I'm taking them right now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Let alone so, the running backs. So, they, like, a guy like Deion Kane has to know that himself. Like, your opportunities right now, they're either limited or gone. Because there are a lot of choices out there coming in. You can get another guy for the same that you're paying Deion Kane, or maybe even less, who knows, and he can come in and he's going to have an opportunity to, to take your spot. And Deion Kane had an opportunity, had many opportunities, to, stay, to take a spot in the lineup with Devin Funches out, with T.Y. Hilton out, with Paris Campbell out. Over, two, over, over 200 reps in games. He has Game not reps. taken advantage of it, period. And when the time comes, next, we'll, we'll get to it in the offseason, but when I look at when I look at what this team need, needs to address, we're talking pass rush, mm-hmm. receiver, and you could argue which one's most important. And, and here's what I'll add about Deion Kane before before we can move on or whatever. Um, if if he was performing well enough in games and getting open, and just not the quarterbacks are just not getting to him, he would not be cut. Right. So you can you can read into it. Like I I I, hes- I hesitate to make those distinctions sometimes saying, "Oh, Deion Kane isn't taking advantage of the opportunities because I don't know what the quarterback is supposed to do in certain situations." Like if I'm a film studier, I would have a better idea of that. I I'll, I'll say right now I'm not. But when I see a team cut a guy, that means that I can make that distinction i can any any fan can tell that they could make that distinction he, it's uh, not just like he's making good plays they're just not finding him he is not doing what they are asking of him because he has had the opportunities and he gets cut anyway but then he has an opportunity was it in pittsburgh had one or two opportunities to catch the ball for the week before and he dropped one and, i think it was pittsburgh yeah but he, i think he had 14 or 15 targets on the season 14 targets only four receptions he had two long uh, pass interference calls. Yeah, that, those he, were his highlights. Plays. He's had more. He's got more yards on interference calls than he has yards on catches. Oh, completely, which oh, is yeah. never a good thing. No, fifty-two no. yards, and it, like you said, it's not far fetched to think the Colts would go receiver in the first round. I mean, Funches is probably moving on after this year. Ty just turned thirty. He's only missed seven games his career. Five of them have come in the last two years. That's something that you got to weigh in when you're making. You these ha- th- th- this is when this is like with. Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. This is when you bring in the Reggie Wayne to to to, to have that guy ready for. T- you, you've got to re-sign Ty. Give him his last contract, whatever it is. Probably figure three or four more years of Ty. Now at, at this elite level, I don't know. Right. But you've you just you have to if you're going to give your quarterback and your offense a chance. Again, I think Paris Campbell if he stays healthy. We saw at Pittsburgh what he can do. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I like what he brings. 
And then you've got Zach Pascal. You bring him back to be what he needs to be, the third or fourth guy. And but you you need that that next big guy if that's a draft. It, normally you don't get him in free agency. This team's not had good luck at, at all in free agency. Uh, th- th- this one's especially with wide receivers. Right now, this is an injury one, which it, it, it kind of skews that. But you know, we, we can argue again. Re- re- re-sign Ty, re-sign AC for bitching about it. At least Ty's got one more year on his deal. Right, right. But you can ex- you can extend that, and but you've got to take care of that receiver spot, and you ta- got to take care of the pass rush because Justin Houston's got one more year. Mm-hmm. So and it, it sometimes it takes those guys a year to. Uh, to develop. Well, Justin Houston will be trying to chase down Nick Foles this week. Had the same injury as uh, Devin Funchess week one, a broken collarbone. He's played 11 snaps this year. That's it. And Foles. he that's threw it. eight passes. Right. I don't think that's going to be the same uh, ratio when they are here in Indy because their running game has been, has been fairly good. Um, it has not been, I think it's been statistically deceptively good. Because they've break they've broken a lot of long runs. Leonard Fournette, he's a big dude. Like he he can muscle it in with anybody. He's like is he, I was checking. Is he two forty five? Yeah, he's like Darius Leonard talked about him a little bit in uh, in his media availability. They say two twenty eight in here. There's a zero percent chance that he weighs two hundred and twenty eight <laughs> pounds. He's more than that. This is like his junior year in college. <laughs> well, in maybe in high school. You know, different body types, but he kind of reminds me of Mac of Marlon Mack in the way that he'll. Two yards, four yards, three yards, five yards, and then he'll bust the big one. Yeah. That really makes a difference in the game. And that's something that Coach Doug Marone, Syracuse University, pointed out when in his conference call with the media this week. He said that he's supposed to be, he's hoping that their running game can be a little more consistent. He said, like, somebody brought up that, hey, your run game's been pretty good. He's like, well, actually, uh, we've we've broken a bunch of big runs, and that's given us a good, uh, how and the other weird thing, only one rushing touchdown the whole year. That, that is, is really weird. That's why they're... You know, they rank in the top half of the league in yardage, but the bottom in scoring because once they get in there, they're not able to run it in. Here's a reason that that might happen, too. Teams might really, I I, I haven't, again, not a film watcher. Teams might, when Gardner Minshew is in a quarterback, when it gets down close to the goal line, really not be letting them run the ball at all. Like saying, we will will take our chances with Minshew Mania. If he can beat us, then fine. We're not going to let Leonard Fournette beat us here in the goal line. So that that could be part of the reason why, at least if I was a defensive coordinator, which I'm certainly not, that might be the first thing that comes to my mind in that situation. And like we just talked about, if most or a good percentage of their yardage is from yard long runs and a lot of them aren't going for that much you can't bust a long run when you're in the red zone and and as great as Leonard Fournette I I think he's a great running back I do he's not the most fleet of foot so if he breaks a long run it's 30 or 40 yards he can't take it quite 70 somebody in the secondary is going to chase him down and that's why it's not leading into long touchdown runs it's kind of crazy how quickly Minshew Mania faded just dissolved like Jeremy Lin it's (laughs) incredible it's incredible but I was talking to a guy in Jacksonville he said the thing that made Minshew successful was generally when plays broke down. He he, he was really um, almost a Chad Kelly type, wh- where you make something when, when the design play doesn't but work with more swag. With more swag, <laughs> right? But so so we're going to see a totally different approach uh, w- with Foles. And one thing that will help the Colts to some degree is Frank Reich's history with Foles. He, he mm-hmm. knows now. He doesn't. It's a different offense and all that, but. Quarterbacks sometimes have their own, you know, blueprint on how they play, and, and Frank's gonna know that. Just 
as good as you could, as good as you can. There are always routes that that quarterbacks like to throw. Right. There are receivers that they like to throw to. Like something Joe pointed out in our prep this week, which is great. Like Nick Foles does, like he does really like to throw to the slot receivers. That showed in his uh, run to the Super Bowl with Philly a few years ago. Nelson Aguilar had a much much better rap report with Nick Foles than he did with Carson Wentz. Really added to their stretch run to make that Super Bowl and win it over the Patriots. So. Look out for a guy like D.D. Westbrook coming back now for the Jaguars. Missed one game with a shoulder neck injury. Uh, he's going to be back. Nick Foles is going to be back. We'll see what exactly they can do together. Um, but that this is, just, this is just his second start with the Jaguars. You pointed out Frank Reich's familiarity with him. And, Mike, that's only the half of it because defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus used to be with the Dallas, Dallas. Cowboys. And twice a year they play the Philadelphia Eagles, Nick Foles' former team. So Fluce also has a history of going up against Nick Foles and prepping to see him. Again, different offenses, different schemes, different playmakers around him, but both of these guys can sit down in one room and talk to each other with their history and get a better idea of how to defend Nick Foles than the average NFL head coach and defensive coordinator combination. And that's why Joe's got all these nice matchups in here. What's Well, we've talked about the Colts' offense and the struggles and the turnovers of negative plays and all this. Defense is playing pretty well. Yes, this, it is. This Colts defense over the last month, it's getting healthy. Darius Leonard, Billy Cooker, and they're getting what, what they've – I remember talking to Eberflitz when we talked to him on Tuesday about how, you know, last year the last 10 games, they were like top 10. The last nine games were like top 10. And that's kind of what you want to build for in the head. Remember we talked early in the year about they had 10 or 11 returning starters from that defense. His point is you're always changing, though. I need to go back and look how many starters in the Colts' season opener are no longer starters because all these these rookies that they are playing monstrous minutes. Kari Willis started over Clayton Gathers last week against Miami. Well, Clayton Gathers. He looked good. He did? Yes, he did. And, and, and again, Rocky Asin has had some, had some rough patches, but Bobby Okariki, he's playing a lot. Ben Banigou's playing more. I have heard his name more the past couple yes. of weeks. Yeah, and, and so it's it's one to where they, you've still got some of the corners. And again, Justin Houston, he's on his streak with five straight games of the sack. Well, Six he, sacks in five games. I think he it had is to now. kind of learn this defense. Right now, he's at a Pro Bowl level. Yep. And if he gets another sack Sunday, it, it ties his career long on consecutive games with six. So you really see this defense again. Darius Leonard. It's a great note that the Colts came up with, Darius, since 1990, only five times have the Colts had a player with a sack, a forced fumble, and an interception. Five times. And Darius has had two of them <laughs> in the last two years. And can you know the other three players? Bob Sanders, one of them? Nope. Sack, forced fumble, intercept. Gary Brackett, one of them? Nope. Robert Mathis, one of them? Nope. Well, I'm striking out completely. Uh, Dwight Freeney. Nope. Ah. I should have gone with Dwight first. That's, that's Jarrell Freeman. Terrible. Jarrell Fre- yeah, there, uh, I remember yeah. that Jarrell Freeman game, now that you bring it up. Jeff Burris. Burris, okay. And the first one in 1992. Eugene Daniel? Nope. This is before I was born. I'm going to tap out on this one. Steve Entman. I would not have gotten At that. Miami. It was the, I happened to have been there, and it was he, he capped it off with a 90-yard interception return of Dan Marino. Dang. When Dan Marino gave no pursuit. Of the pick six. Mm-hmm. But it just shows you again that Leonard's starting to get back to where he's making those plays. And I just like the way the defense is playing. I will be surprised if Fournette goes off uh, 
So again, but but the but God, the offense has to, has to get its act together to be more efficient. But I like the way the defense is playing. A couple of different matchups to watch. You mentioned Fournette versus the Colts run defense. The Colts run defense is like fifteenth, kind of middle of the pack. But like you mentioned, playing better lately, absolutely, and I'll agree with you. Because it was skewed early with those. Remember Austin Eckler? Yeah, Eckler went nuts, right? And, um, and they still got that whatever the streak is now of no hundred yard rushers. It's still it's still going. It's what in mid twenties. I I don't know exactly what it is now. It's something of a saving stat because they have been hurt by the run, but I like I just like the way they're tightening it up. Another uh, couple uh, matchups to watch. We mentioned Dede Westbrook coming back from missing one game in the slot. Kenny Moore against uh, Dede Westbrook certainly a matchup to watch. One of the highest paid cornerbacks in the league. And Kenny, Kenny's well, a good player. Th- is it? He is. We we like Kenny Moore here. He's our uh, player analyst for Fox Fifty Nine. You see him a lot on Sports Overtime Sunday nights, ten thirty five, recapping whatever Colts game we might be talking about that day. And you plug you plug so well. Hey, Kenny Kenny Moore also Valdosta, Georgia. And I used to work in Tallahassee, Florida, which covered also the Valdosta area. Uh, went to Lowndes High School down there, a, a local powerhouse. Valdosta State University, a uh, Division II powerhouse. Valdosta, Georgia, in fact, won ESPN's Titletown competition. I believe it was like 10 or 12 years ago, whatever it was, with uh, Valdosta High School. Their uh, high school program has the most state championships of any high school football program in the country. It's a fountain of information. I am. And Valdosta, if it's about Valdosta or Tallahassee <laughs> or perhaps Bozeman, Montana, my first or job Syracuse. out of college. Or Syracuse. Or hopefully here in Indianapolis a little bit as well. I can add a bit to the conversation. Another matchup to watch, and we'll stay with the wide receivers and cornerbacks, uh, DJ Chark against Rocky Sin. Chark has had himself a heck of a season. Pretty impressive. Breaking out. It really is. A 12th most receiving yards in the NFL. Nearly 700 receiving yards he scored six touchdowns in their nine games um and him it'll likely be up against rocky scene because like we've said before i doubt pierre desir is on the on track to play this weekend if frank reich keeps saying that hey he has to be 100 percent to play well he's certainly far from 100 percent right now um rocky scene it's it's after his bad game against was that denver um that yeah. he had the that he had the rough game yeah with all the penalties so, like, he, again, another guy who was a great interview afterward, very professional, talked to you in the locker room that week very well, talked to me post-game, was very, very good with it. Um, the next week in Pittsburgh, he was having a great week. Like, I hadn't heard his name, and I'm sitting there in the press box, and it's the third quarter or fourth quarter, whatever it is, and I tweet out something right away, right. like, oh, I haven't heard Rocky Scene's name. That's a good thing. And literally, like, within the next three plays is the play that he got beat deep. Like the one play, and that that just once again goes to show you: you can be a cornerback, you can be an offensive tackle, and you can play ninety-eight percent of the snaps perfect. But it's that two percent that can kill you. That's all you. It's, it's almost like a kicker. It, it is not quite much. not quite the same because of the volume. Yeah, but but you're right. It 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 takes one or two plays, and that's why those p- players are special. And you've got to be able to put those plays behind you. And I think you've seen is, is that kind of a play. I really do like Rock a lot. Um, I think. I think his physicality will only be a benefit to him. It's what it was really a detract. It detracted from his game against Denver because he was a little bit too physical, too handsy. When he learns what he can do and what he can get away with, he will be. He will have a a skill that very few corners have. Uh, just with how with how he can play that position. He'll be what Quincy Wilson was supposed to be. You would hope so. A big so. physical corner who can match up man-to-man. Yeah. So Quincy Wilson, who knows if he's going to see any time in this game, Mike. I mean, for crying out loud. Well, he was a healthy scratch two games ago. He had the shoulder. Was it maybe a healthy scratch two games? 
and then the shoulder this past game. So I don't know. It, it's some, something's going on there. I, I think it's practice related. But with Pierre Desir out to not have Quincy Wilson up, it, it speaks of where Quincy Wilson is not on this depth chart. We also talked already about Justin Houston. He's going against Jaguars left tackle Cam Robinson, who has been average probably at best. He's given up three sacks on the year. His pro football focus rating just a 52 out of a 100-point scale. Uh, contrast that Justin Houston's at about an 86, 87 he's, on that scale. He's played well. He, he he's getting he's and he's he's like the old Dwight Freeney's where you get like he's got like what is it seven sacks on the year, and he's got like ten almost sacks, mm-hmm. which they're right not there. as good as sacks, but hmm. they they do force quarterbacks to do things they don't want to do. On the other side of the ball, uh, Mike, you alluded to this earlier: the Colts' pass protection against the Jaguars' pass rush. Uh, is specifically, you alluded to Jacoby Brissett's last performance against the Jaguars at Lucas Oil Stadium. That was two years ago, and it was one to uh, forget if you were a fan, but it is one that is burned into Jacoby Brissett's memory. Even if he says he moves on from it, I am sure that he thinks about being on the floor getting hit 20 times in that game, getting sacked 10 times. Um, Second most in team history. It was it was less than a pretty game. And the Jaguars this year, um, it's not like they've taken significant steps back in their defensive front. They still have Yannick Ngakwe. He's got four sacks. They still have Calius Campbell, five and a half sacks. But the leader for the Jaguars is the guy who fell to them in the draft, linebacker Josh Allen, didn't think he was going to drop all the way to Jacksonville. I remember we were talking about the draft last April that uh, that was a surprise that he fell that far in the draft. People had him maybe even in the top three. He certainly did not go top three. Joe, can you look up the draft and see exactly? Maybe he fell to seven, but let me see the players who went in front Yeah, of yeah, yeah, do that. Um, but anyway, Jacksonville's fifth in the league with 30 sacks. Mike, they can still get after the quarterback, and they have a young kid who's leading the way in that category. And, and, and that's why th- this offensive line, which is not th- – this is this is the Colts' strength. It just yes, is. it should be. When you've got first-rounder at left tackle, first-rounder at left guard, first-rounder at center, second-rounder at right tackle – this has got to be your strength. It's not. It's not been recently. And if ever there's a game where where these guys need to step up and say, "Okay, we've got this," uh, and again, we talked about the 14 sacks in 2017. As Brissett mentioned, a lot's happened since then, and the only holdovers for the Colts were Costanzo, Ryan Kelly, started the first game and then he got hurt second quarter of the of that game and then. All hell broke loose yeah. once he went out of there. So it is different. But th- th- this not protecting the quarterback, and I understand it's odd the back picking up the Titans, but it starts with the offensive line. And they've had some communication issues. If you let Jacksonville get started with their pass rush, it's blood in the water. And, and then, like we talked earlier, there's no way Brissett's going to have his total mobility. He just He just won't. So th- th- this is a game to me. It's on the offensive line to do its job and do it at, at, a, at a high level. Joe? Yeah, in the draft, you know, of course, a couple quarterbacks picked Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray pushed him down. But the real surprise was Oakland going with Cleveland Farrell. Mm-hmm. Who's um, had a pretty good year himself. He's had a good year. I think that was just the kind of player, you know, Farrell's more of a every down, defensive end, yeah. set the edge type guy. Whereas uh, Allen, he kind of plays that edge linebacker role for mm-hmm. Jacksonville. So um, kind of pick your poison, but... Uh, definitely a big get for the Jaguars. Certainly be nice for the Colts' run game to slow down that Jaguars' pass rush. But Marlon Mack now, as as much as we talked about him early in the year, as uh, high as we were on him and talked about his workload and maybe being uh, a 1,500-yard back like uh, Jim Ursay said he thought he could be, 
Last couple weeks, it has not been all that productive for Marlon Mack. Uh, he hasn't topped 100 rush yards uh, since the fifth week of the season, Mike. But he's still on pace for 1350. That's what's crazy. It, 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 sort, it sort of shows you what a 1,000-yard season means nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's only 62 yards a game over a 16-game season. Uh, what did he finish, finish last week? Was it 79 yards? But he had a couple big runs. The, the, again, I, the, to go back and harp on it, what, what's really hurting him are those negative runs. They had six against uh, Denver. And, again, it, it just puts you behind the chains. So they, they need to get more. And, you know, we really thought against Miami they would really try to pound away for against a team that wasn't very good against the run. run. Exactly. Uh, but, but and Jacksonville again, isn't either. They allow near five, five yards per carry. Right. So, but but you, you just would think, again, getting your quarterback back is great. That's what you want. But you need to have help from that running game. I think it's going to be a little harder this week because I don't think Jordan Wilkins plays. So then Naheem Hines is your backup running. Jonathan Williams, I didn't see a lot from what we saw last week from him. Although it was the first, I think it was his first action, I think. So and Hines is more, Hines is more of that, uh, you know that that versatility out of the backfield. And he has not shown the ability to run between the tackles. Consistently, consistently between the tackles. So is that you know that means more from Marlon Mack and. You just can't put it all on Jacoby Brissett and say, well, since he's back, you know, we've got this. Both Anthony Costanzo and Brian Kelly asked about the line this week, how it's playing. Uh, I think the the contact really was in the 10 sacks over the last three games, and both of them admitted the line's not playing its best right now. Kelly specifically brought up the run game because, and, and I think from an offensive lineman point of view, like that's where you impose your will. That's where you start against any team. He said we got to do better in that aspect, and um, and that's that would certainly be a goal this weekend well, against Jacksonville. You, you can't wear... If you want to turn, you haven't got your hat on today. You can't wear a run the damn ball hat mm-hmm. and then not be able to run the ball. Yep. So it, it's it's that mentality that, that that they want, that they've had, that they've. I'm not saying lost it, but they need to recapture to where they sort of impose their will on teams, and it's just been missing again. They, they Pittsburgh and Denver quality quality defenses. Miami, not so much. Well, and something that's kind of been puzzling me is I'm not going to pretend to know more about offense than Sirianni and Frank Wright, but with all the playmakers hurt on the Colts' offense on the outside with their receivers, you'd think they'd get a little more creative and try and get Marlon Mack, their best skill position player, healthy, the ball in things like screens. I understand, you know, he's his hands aren't better than Hines, but they're not terrible. I haven't seen him no, drop passes not. all the time. You'd think they, with a you know athletic line, an athletic guard like Nelson, they get some more screen passes going, stuff like that. But I really haven't seen that out of this offense. I, I, that's you're probably right. Now, I, what what bothered me this past week on that last drive that ended up with Hoyer chucking it in the end zone until he threw an eight yard pass on fourth and ten was Jack Doyle wasn't out there a lot on that drive. I think he was out there on fourth down, but not you know leading it too much up up to that. And you just wonder what they're thinking. You think that was his shoulder, maybe? Uh, I but he was out there on fourth down, so no, okay. I don't I don't think yeah. so. Uh, I, I, it's just. I, I guess when things don't work, it's do something else. Yeah. So, but but again, we, we I, all that we've gone through and everything we've talked about, this comes down to these next three games. I was going to say three weeks, but it's not quite three weeks. Right. This this can you can do so much to to put yourself in good position. Right now, they they've gone with this two game losing streak. They've gone from the number two seed to out of the playoffs. I right. realize. I mean, it's if the playoffs started now and all that, but you you. That you're going to have to win more than likely have to win the division because as a wild card, you've lost to Oakland, 
and you've lost to Pittsburgh. So you're going to lose those tie breaks. So it, it's and it's right there for them. If they can get fixed, what they what what is not ailing them, and the problem is you're not going to get Ty back to help you with that. And speaking of being right there, you know, it kind of seems like the sky is falling if you're a Colts fan with losing the last two games against not great teams the way they have. They win this Sunday. There's a good chance by Monday they're the division leaders because Houston plays a very good Ravens team. Um, so from everything that's gone wrong the past couple of weeks, the Colts are still right there. It's hard to tell a team that was one and five last year and made the playoffs eventually that the sky is falling in the middle of the year when you're five and four. You know. Well, and, and this is such a crazy year where last week three one and seven teams won. Cincinnati Bengals leading the charge to the first overall pick in the draft. And they've got they've got a strong lead, and it, it, it's it, we've it is so hard to lose every game. Yeah, it is. But the, 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 look at it's their so if hard you look, to Ryan, if, Ryan if, you look, if you look at their schedule though, they, they've it's going to be tough to lose them all because they've got I believe they got Cleveland twice. I believe they've got Miami. You can accidentally win a game against Cleveland. You, you, you should you should just fall into like it. oops yeah. oh we scored. Raiders and Steelers, so that might be two more wins for potential, you know, wild card AFC teams. Yep. The Jets, uh, the Browns are going to get. Oh, that Patriots game is going to be gross. Yeah, um, they Dolphins. can't have an over number. That I mean, a, a, a plus they got minus. the Jets and the Dolphins both. Jeez, Jets, Dolphins, and then uh, Browns twice. Suck off! You, you just you just can't you can't lose. You've got to find a way. Not not that you've got to find a way, but th- there will be. A way that they win one of those games, especially first year head coach, you got to win at least one game. Yeah, just win one for my coach. Let's uh, bring it back to Colts Jaguars. Wrap up our discussion on the uh, the horseshoes this week. <laughs> it is a one p.m. kickoff broadcast in Central Indiana on CBS Four. Tune into the Blue Zone pregame show eleven thirty a.m. Also on CBS Four. Hey, one thing though, b- b- before we get to the important stuff, you- you're a betting guy. I can be okay if the occasion calls for it. If if I'm giving you. Rutgers and 51 and a half. I'm taking uh, Ohio State in that, actually. Ohio State can't, uh, like that. There was not a number that was large enough. (laughs) Ohio State's going to wipe the floor with Rutgers. Young back for that game? I don't know. What's it matter? I think think your backup will be just. You're you're starting the week, you're starting the game, and it's 50 to nothing. Yeah. That's I just I just had to put that out. I, I've never seen that before. Well, we'll come back next week and see if uh, <laughs> see if Dave was right. In fact, or if Chapel was uh, justifiably. Would you uh, put five bucks on that? I would put five bucks on that. Probably put five. Would you put on fifty Ohio bucks State. on that. No, I probably wouldn't put fifty. I'm not that much of a betting man. Okay. I, I I have a daughter that I need to put through college right now. <laughs> Maybe some would say that, that would put her through college better, but not not me. Not not quite that much. All right. so, now, what, what, too much where smoke. were we at? We were on the Colts and Jaguars right. one o'clock kickoff. CBS Four. It's <laughs> in Central Indiana. Um, that's. I'll start off with my prediction. We'll go to Mike and Joe after. After that, um, I, I'm I'm harping on my T.Y. Hilton stat that the Colts have not won without him since they drafted him, and I'm gonna bet that's maybe not the right word because I won't bet on this game. I don't think that would be very smart of me uh, in terms of covering a team to bet on them actively. Um, but I would I cannot say the Colts will win without T.Y. Hilton until they prove to me that they can win without T.Y. Hilton. I am going with Jacksonville 21 to 17, and the Colts' losing streak reaches three in a row. I'm going to say the streak is over, and I'm going to say 21 to 17 Colts. Uh-huh. Uh, of course, that's yeah. I I just I think they find a way, uh, and I think Foles will be a little bit rusty coming out of this. So uh, 21 17, 24 17. I, I think they find a way in another close game. 
Yeah, if they if they win, it's going to be close. Yeah, that's, that's just what this team is. <laughs> if they lose, it's going to be close. It seems yeah, like all year. Yeah, close, exactly. No it's going to be fun or not fun, as the case may be. Whenever a blowout happens, Colts fans are going to be shocked. But I, I guess I'll go twenty four to twenty, and they're going to do just enough to win. Hopefully, it doesn't come down to too many Adam Benatari kicks. But we'll just have to see. We'll touch quickly on the Texans. We mentioned it earlier, visiting the Baltimore Ravens this weekend. MVP candidates, the Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. That's a must-watch game to me this weekend in the NFL. That's going to be fun with those two guys going off against each other and Lamar playing as well as he has all season these past couple games. My goodness. Like ha- having a lot of fun reminding us of old Michael Vick footage with some of those like highlight runs. ragging on the Bengals, but that spin move for the <sighs> Oh, man. It's beautiful. Is beautiful. Texans loss plus the Colts win, Joe, like you said, would give Indy the division lead. So certainly no one's throwing in the towel just yet this season. A whole lot of I've got the towel in my hand, though. Mike, Mike's ready, just in case <laughs> the occasion calls for it. Thanks for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Download and subscribe. Make sure this is delivered to your podcast listening device week after week. I'll say it one more time. The Colts host the Jaguars at Lucas Oil Stadium this Sunday at 1 o'clock kickoff, broadcast on CBS4 in central Indiana. And, of course, join us for the Blue Zone pregame show on CBS4 at 1130. AM. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Griffiths. You can follow me at Dave G underscore sports on Twitter. Mike Chappell is at mchapel 51 Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. And we, as a podcast, are at Colts Blue Zone. Once again, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>